The world of dog sports has lots of options to keep your dog's four paws busy. Let's dive deeper in four paws sports. My name is Jeff Nieder. I'm joined here today with uh, Mary Drexler. Hi, everybody. So Mary and I have talked about doing a podcast for quite a long time. We wanted to do one that was kind of an all-inclusive podcast where we don't talk about just agility, even though I'm primarily into agility and some herding as well. Um, But Mary brings also a a wider range of sports that she does. Uh, Mary, what, uh, what dog sports are you all involved in? Um, well, currently I do AKC sports. I have done some UKI and some UKC in the past, obedience and agility, um, and then UKI agility. But currently I compete in the AKC. Um, I do confirmation and obedience and rally and agility with my Samoyeds. Very nice. Is there any other breeds that you've uh, handled or competed with in the past? Um, I've owned also a Border Collie and a Malamute that I've competed with, um, but I got started when I was nine years old with a Samoyed from the pet store because I didn't know any better. And I got my first title with him when I was 11 and was officially hooked and got the Border Collie because everyone said you couldn't train Samoyeds for obedience. And then I got a Malamute because I thought they were cool. And then I went back to Samoyeds. Um, and then I've also trained for other people. I have trained Golden Retriever um, that I've comp- a couple Golden Retrievers that I've competed with. And then I've also you know, done some pickup handling and some little training here and there with some other breeds, some like corgis and some stuff like that for competition. And then I've trained all kinds of different dogs for as foster dogs or for pet training or service work and that kind of stuff. So, so it sounds like you're pretty uh, versatile there. You've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good handle on different types of breeds, at least. I try. Um, yeah, and we've had fun uh, learning to. Um, compete in a world where Samoyeds don't get a whole lot of credit for being able to be a good performance dog. Um, thankfully, <laughs> in agility, that's changed a lot. Um, there's uh, Samoyeds are starting to become more consistent competitors in agility, but then I've kind of tried to carry the banner for Sammy's in obedience. Um, I have the second Ach Sam in the history of the breed, and the first two is a mock Ach Rock, and I'm working now towards my second Ach Samoyed with my with my middle child's on it. So we're, we're very trying, awesome. we're trying to show that they can do it. <laughs> oh yeah. No, very awesome. Um, I too, uh, have a little bit of versatility to in breeds. Uh, currently I've got two border collies, uh, nitro and Kyber. And then I've got, uh, my small dog, uh, Pix, who's a Papillon. And I started out, uh, actually, uh, working off season labs out in agility uh, back when I was, I want to say, probably about the same age as you, Mary, probably, you know, seven to nine, somewhere in that area there. Uh, it's been quite a while. I try not to think about how long ago it was because it's been quite a long time since that happened. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I've, I've uh, come through um, agility as my primary spot. I did do – I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I did do confirmation for a very, very short stint as, uh, as a very young kid. I didn't know a whole lot about it at that point in time, but – I quickly learned that confirmation is not where uh, it's not it's not my forte and it's not where I belong. Um, I don't like getting dressed up and I prefer to have my running pants on twenty four seven. 
That's kind of funny. What you know, I only get dressed up for confirmation basically, but we don't get carried away. I don't even wear pantyhose unless it's a national specialty, I'll tell you that. Um how long have you been judging agility? Oh, I've been doing agility now, judging it for seven years. Uh yeah, it's about seven. I think we're coming up on year seven, um, is where we're at right now. So um, I judge for both AKC and UKI now. Um, love both venues. Uh, both bring their own challenges to the table there. Um, but right now, actually starting this weekend, I'll be uh, flying out to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to do a three-day trial out there. And then I'll be heading down to Texas next weekend uh, to do another three-day trial. And then the last uh, weekend of the three, I'll be up in northern Illinois, uh, judging another three-day trial. So uh, my uh, my days are packed and my weekends are completely full at this point. There is not any uh, downtime whatsoever. Wow. Yeah, you've you've really gotten a pretty big schedule, you know, for a relatively short time as being an agility judge. That's cool. Right, and um, I do attribute a lot of that to COVID. Um, that's probably one of the biggest benefits that COVID gave me is I, I got a lot more exposure because a lot of judges at the time uh, during COVID were reluctant to travel and were reluctant to wanting to leave their house to go judge. So I ended up picking up a lot of different assignments um, in 21, which really led to 22 having 25 assignments, which I realize is well beyond what I truly could handle. So it was a rough year. So this year I've backed it down to about 18 and I'll probably reduce it a little bit more for next year just to be able to maintain that work-life dog training, dog competing um, business there and that whole standpoint. So uh, just, to, just to have a little bit more work-life balance. In addition to judging, you talked about Showing your dogs. Tell me, tell us some of the accomplishments, milestones, I guess, you've reached with your dogs. Because you've had yeah. a lot of successes. Yeah, I, I'd say a fair amount of successes. So, I, you know, I've had dogs in the past before I got Nitro, which was roughly 10 years ago. And I had some mild success with them. But Nitro was truly my first dog as from training from the ground up to what he is today. And I'm super happy to say, you know, he's taken me to multiple tryouts, uh, multiple nationals. Um, he's placed fifth in finals uh, our second year at AKC Nationals. Uh, he's had multiple placements in other venues for nationals for Sino Sports and for uh, the U.S. Open um, by UKI. Uh, but, yeah, he's taken me all across the country. We've seen pretty much every part of the country. We've gone even driven up to Canada for a one weekend event and as crazy as it was I left on Friday night got to Canada on Sunday and I drove straight back home to work on Monday morning and that was the craziest trip I think I've ever taken for an agility event myself so I don't know if I could do that nowadays that's uh that's quite a bit too much for me um nowadays getting older and stuff like that but uh then uh once uh, Nitro's kind of more on the retirement side now, but Kyber has quickly stepped up to take his place. Uh, so now Kyber has qualified for his first nationals this year for AKC. He got to go to the U.S. Open this past fall and did phenomenally well uh, for his first year 
especially since it was all types of terrain out there. It wasn't just indoors on dirt. It was grass. It was sand. It was dirt um, in different rings. So he held up really nicely. Uh, placed in the top 10 for each one of the finals that he made and just super proud of him. Uh, went to his first tryouts uh, this past uh, this past winter. Um, didn't get to make anything for the team this year, but he made a really nice showing considering that he's really only been trialing since March of last year, since we had to deal with a lot of rehab work after the uh, broken uh, broken front left leg. So that really put a lot of uh, damper on his trialing and competing schedule. But now he's done so well for the amount of uh, training that he's gotten. So we're going to be starting up actually starting tomorrow night, uh, working with uh, Alice Rankemeyer. Uh, trying to get ready and go for the next round of tryouts that starts uh, April 30th through May 1st out at Perina Farm. So I'm super excited about that one. Um, but picks, uh, picks my Papillon. He's been a superstar in his own right because when I got him, it wasn't he was not meant to really be competing you know, right off the bat. I meant to put him on the back burner and just slowly build his confidence, slowly build his training, so I could bring him out and bring him back to as, as a high-level Papillon as much as I possibly could. But unfortunately, uh, that plan kind of fell apart when Kyber broke his leg, so Picks had to step up, and um, and I think he did it in a very big way for me because he went from just doing some jumps and some tunnels and maybe a little bit of weaves here and there to a dog who qualified for nationals within six months of really making it to uh, a level where he could actually qualify for it. and. Um, even going to the U.S. Open, he made his first finals, which I was not expecting him to even do. I had no expectations for him, and he uh, he blew me away completely down there. So, yeah, I'm uh, all three of my guys, um, I've got a nice stable of dogs who are really good com- co- uh, good competition dogs. Uh, Mary, what about your dogs? I mean, I, I mean, I get to judge your dogs on a fairly regular basis, ones that you handle for other people, and, you know, Hex, who I absolutely love because – uh, that one-eyed Samoya, I tell you what, I absolutely uh, love how she works for you and how hard you have to work with her. Yeah, we've had, I mean, I've been really fortunate. I've had some really great dogs, and they've taught me a lot, and I've tried to be a good learner with them. Um, I like to say I started with uh, my first Samoya, but we started training agility, and because he was a poorly bred pet store dog. He had hip dysplasia. And so our plans to advance in obedience and start doing agility um, kind of got sidetracked. But I did agility at first with my Border Collie. And he had a utility title in both AKC and UKC. And we had our novice AKC agility titles. But then I went back to my heart breed, my Samoyeds. And I had Maestro, who was my first mock and pock dog. And he had his UDX. And he became the second obedience master Samoyed. And that was pretty great. And then I got Hex. And Hex, um, she's taken me places that I never in a million years dreamed I would be. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say never in a million years because I did have a goal when I got her is I wanted a triple champion. I believe that a dog should be able to be a good representative of their breed and should be able to work. And Samoyas were bred to be a very versatile dog. And so I feel like they get a pretty unfair rap as being difficult to train. And so, but Hex was special. She picked me from the time she was a puppy. She, before I knew she was mine, she knew she was mine. And we've had a heck of a ride. Um, She lost her eye, her right eye due to glaucoma um, when she was three years old. 
And at the time, she had two legs to her utility title. She had her Rally Excellent or her RAE title, and then she had um, three double Qs toward her mock. And I wasn't sure if competition was going to be possible for her anymore. And she made it very clear that she was not going to be on the sidelines and I was not going to leave her out. And so I had to figure out how to teach her how to do her job. And especially in agility, I had to figure out how to learn to handle her because she was not going to slow down and she wasn't going to tolerate my incompetence. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I will be very clear that I am the weaker half of the team, even now with her having one eye and, you know, I'm still the weaker half of the team and I admit it, but she has taken me on a heck of a ride. Um, she finished her mock in July of 2021. She uh, finished her arch in February of 2022, and then her rock in May of 2022. Um, in both 2021, for both 2021 and 2022 years, so the following year, she was uh, invited to Westminster as one of the top 200 dogs in obedience for all breed for Arch points. She's been invited to the national obedience championship every year since 2019 was her first year. Um, and in 2020, she was actually a finalist at the NOC and was second in the working group. Um, she's had every year I've competed or in rallies, she's qualified for the rally national championship, and I'm hoping next year I can actually take her. And then we made the invitational for agility in 2021 which is my first time making the Invitational, and we went, and she made the finals in the 20-inch class, and if you want a heartbreaking video, you can go on AKC TV still, I think, and see the hard right turn <laughs> at the very end of the course, um, and that stinking tire that she just didn't see, uh, but man, I mean, she's just been, she's just the dog of a lifetime, and I, she's smart, and she's funny, and a little bit irreverent, and every now and then she'll still, um, you know, I'll tell her to hit her contact on the agility course and she'll look at me and kind of give me a look. And I know she's not going to do it, um, <laughs> but we've had a lot of fun together. Um, and, you know, and now she's kind of in no rules land at eight years old. She's sort of like, as long as you don't do anything too stupid to get yourself hurt, you know, you can do whatever you want to. She's retired from formal obedience. Um and semi-retired from rally, she's still, she's running and preferred now in agility and loves it and is even faster than she used to be. Um, and then now I have coming up, I have Sonnet, who is going to be four in March. Sonnet is a relative. She comes down from the same female side as Hex. And she she's just been a good girl for me. She's got her rally champion. I think she was the second Samoyed ever to get a rally champion, I believe. Um and then she finished her utility title here in um, November. She finished that. And then she's now started working on her UDX and her OCH. So I have high hopes for her. Um, she's also got a few doubles for her mock. Um, so I'm really pleased with how she's coming along. And then I also have Pepper, who just turned three in December, and she is hopefully heading off for maternity leave right now for her breeder, but she had a really good year this last year. She finished her UD in obedience. She started working on her rock in rally. She got her first major in the breed ring at a specialty best of winners. And then she went from novice through to she's in master jumpers now and in excellent standards. So 
you know, we have hopefully a good year coming up for us in 2023. We're having fun training and hopefully we'll have some fun in the ring too. Um, yeah, certainly. I don't think I'll get to judge you this year though. Cause I'm not, I don't think I have anything scheduled for Iowa this year. So I, I don't think I'll get to watch anything other than what you, what you send me. Maybe I'll just have to hunt you down. I don't know. So uh, I am hanging around the Midwest, so just not, uh, just not Iowa. Yeah. Well, I'll just like say, I'll probably have to hunt you down here and there. Yeah. Because one of the things you're known for as a judge is nice courses, and my big striding dogs like them. So, um, so I was noticing this year, Jeff. Talk to me a little bit about some of these rule changes that we have coming up in AKC Agility, because some of them, you know, I don't. I kind of glance at the rules. I count on the judge to tell me what's good and what's not. But I'd love to hear your perspective on what some of these new rules are and how they affect the competitor. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, big things this year are uh, coming out actually for uh, the open level, which I was actually shocked to see this year. Uh, so in open, uh, we used to be required as judges to design courses that had a minimum of six challenges and no more than a maximum eight. And basically a challenge is designed or not just designed, but is defined by uh, giving a dog a choice of a right uh, obstacle and a wrong obstacle uh, on the dog path at that point. So we had to have six of those uh, challenges there. But now, as of January 2nd of this year, uh, we've been told that we get to reduce that to a minimum of five and a maximum of seven. So it's just kind of dropped by one, which overall just makes it a lot easier for us to design and not put so many restrictions on our uh, open level courses. Because for a lot of people, open can be very daunting and hard to get out of. Of course, once you get out of open, it's pretty easy. But um, I know I can attest, and I'm sure Mary can attest, open is not always the easiest thing for dogs to run, right? Yes. I recently just spent a good chunk of my summer in open purgatory myself. So I 100% appreciate this. Plus, I think I feel like it will make judges give them more options when they're trying to nest a course. Uh, sometimes I think trying to nest a course from masters to open seems to make it a little awkward and maybe having a little more flexibility there might help you out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think it will help us out quite a bit. Uh, simply just, you know, dropping that one challenge means that, we don't have to have as much of a tough course as possible because not only are you jumping from six weave poles and novice up to 12 weave poles, now we don't have to give you at least, you know, the extra challenges. We can actually back it back down and make it a little bit simpler for uh, for people before they jump into uh, the master's level. But the other part that's going to make open easier is that now we no longer have to make three side switches. It's only going to be two side switches. So, Basically, now we only have to have uh, those two, and side switches are defined by having to actually force yourself as a handler to change leads on the dog. So, um, you know, that's to me, that makes life a lot easier. I know I've had multitudes of courses for open that I've had to go back and redesign because I didn't have a third side switch, even though it was a lovely course, but it only had two countable side switches. So that, that made it kind of hard at that point. Uh, for some of my courses and the open courses that I submitted just did not come out as lovely, um, as lovely as I would have liked it, but it, uh, it did the job, but uh, hopefully this year we'll start seeing some better open courses there. Well, that's great. 
And then I heard you have some changes as far as like wheeling novice. That is also different. Tell me what happens, what's happening there. Yeah, so with uh, all the courses, we used to be required to wheel twice uh, to get a small dog and a large dog path. Um, that is no longer going to be true for the novice dogs. Uh, novice is only going to require one one wheeling to get the dog's path, and that's going to be set off of the large dog path there. Uh, yards per second aren't changing uh, for anybody, but we're just going to be giving uh, the small dogs the larger dog yards, which will give them in turn a uh, more time, more time on their courses there to qualify. That's great. because um, You know, you don't want to see these dogs that are just new to the sport, you know, barely missing out because it's a little bitty dog with little bitty legs and maybe had a refusal or two and now right. misses time by a second or something like that, you know? So that's right. I, that's I mean, personally, I'd like to see them take a page out of USDA's book, uh, playbook and for the novice, just get rid of refusals altogether. That's one thing I like yeah. about um, USDA starters is that they're, they don't count refusals in there. So I think that would be a nice addition to it. But I honestly, I, I don't ever see that happening. If I do, I will be, I'll be thoroughly shocked. Right. Well, and I understand. But, I mean, uh, I think it probably evens out that you get dogs. You know, if you get too many refusals, obviously you're not going to qualify. But if you're farting around because you have too many refusals, even if they're not called, you're running out of time. And it'd be, it'd be right. an interesting comparison. Would it? Would your Q rate change? How much would your Q rate change? My guess is not much, right. but, you know. Well, I mean, maybe not novice and open, but the master's class, I think I'd probably have a better yeah. Q rate without the refusal. Well, call, that's but... for sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of small dogs, uh, the fun part for this year for the premier courses, uh, we're going to be increasing the premier standard uh from 65 up to 69 seconds for the eight inch regular dogs and then for the four and eight inch preferred dogs uh we're going to go from 70 to 74 so we're going to add four seconds so hopefully that will help those smaller dogs get a little bit better cue rate there oh that's great well especially since you don't wheel premier i would think it would be tough as a judge to design a course that is attainable within the time frame because sometimes you don't really know, I think, until you get out there, especially for those smaller dogs that have little legs and have to get around to those backsides or do those serpentines right. or some things like that that take a little more time for a dog to do. Well, right, right. No, absolutely. I, I think this will be a good thing for them. Uh, they didn't change any of the other times for any of the other larger dogs. So uh, I guess we'll see how the smaller dogs fare. Although, honestly, I don't remember seeing a whole lot of the four-inch dogs uh, inner premier, um, even eight inch dogs, I don't see a whole lot. It's usually just like 12 and above that I see a lot more of, but of course, you know, that's only what I see while I'm judging. So, uh, that's, yeah. yeah, it'll just be interesting this year to see if we get more dogs at this point that qualify. Well, it makes you wonder, like, do you not see as many four and eight inch dogs because they feel like the course time is unattainable or is it just maybe the longer legged dogs are the ones that enjoy the premier courses more and that might be interesting to see if you get an uptick in entries if the course times right, feel a little right. attainable for somebody with a little dog well because i know that's like one of the big complaints i hear as a judge uh from competitors that man the, t the times are so tight these courses are bigger your spacings are bigger and while all that is true uh i mean the time element is one of the premier challenges set by akc so uh, it, it, it'll be interesting to see what we uh, what we get this year as far as uh, more entries and better qualifying rates if it's not just because of time. Right, right. 
Are there anything else that affects competitors at a trial this year that's coming out and for changes, or is that pretty much cover that? Uh, that's pretty much covering that. The only other part that's changing from a design aspect, and I don't really have any any feelings on this, um, is the wheat poles in uh, Premier are now able to be bi-directional as as a element in the course, but I have not really figured out how to make it into a strategy because in order for it to count as a premier uh, option, there has to be some kind of strategic uh, plan behind it to make it actually count. So um, I've been thinking about this and I still just have not come across it yet. And I'm waiting for a judge one day to uh, put that on the course so I can see how that runs. I just, I'm just sitting here, just, I just don't know how it's going to actually lay out. Right. Yeah, that'll be interesting because you know somebody's going to be able to do it, and it'll be interesting to see what they put out there and how it runs. Like, that'll be fascinating. Um, But I know there's some changes coming to Nationals as well. Like, what – tell me about – I know the biggest one. Tell me about the changes in 24C at Nationals. Yeah, yeah. So AKC Nationals this year, this will be the last year for the 24C height group. Uh, that was one of my beloved heights. Um, I loved running that class. I've ran it with Nitro for multiple years. Um, I've got Kyber entered uh, this year for uh, the last year. Uh, so uh, we are apparently going to be getting rid of it this year uh, just because they want every dog to run in their own height group so that nobody has an advantage to make it to finals at that point. So that's one of the uh, big reasons that they did uh, get rid of it because the 24C group does tend to have a lot less, uh, lot less entries uh, for 24C. So like for instance, uh, just last year, um, the 24C group only had 18 dogs that uh, were entered in there. Now, I don't know how many actually were there competing, but at least 18 were entered. And it is always a guarantee of six dogs minimum that make it to finals regardless. And with a seventh dog being allowed to go based through the challengers round there. So they can have up to seven dogs. So that's almost 50% of the entire group. So uh, they wanted to kind of change that up. So that way it wasn't seemingly so easy um, to make it to finals for that particular height. But Considering that a lot of those 24C dogs would actually measure into the 20-inch group, um, that 20-inch group uh, last year had 313 dogs. So as you can imagine, the percentages of making the finals between 24C and 20 inches uh, significantly different at that point. So uh, that's one thing that they did do, but I am kind of sad because I do love running 24 inches for my dog at the big events solely because they do perform a lot better for me at 24 inches. Um, they just, they jump better. They have a better uh, wrapping and it just, for me, I just feel like I have a better connection with them at 24. Not to say that we don't do well at 20, but 24 is where we've been working at for international stuff. So that's, that's the big thing for uh, AKC nationals as far as jump heights go. Uh, some of the other big stuff that's going on this year uh, for Nationals, this will be the first year that they have ever implemented a four-day uh, AKC Nationals. It's always been three days. So it uh, used to be, you know, Friday we'd show up, we'd get our warm-up runs, and we'd either get to run ISC or Premier to start with on Friday, and then Saturday would be uh, standard and jumpers, and then Sunday would be hybrid challengers and finals. Um, but now it's going to go to a four-day format. So Thursday is just Thursday afternoon is just the warm-up runs only. 
Uh, Friday is now going to be IFC and Premier courses coming out, and so that'll be running for money at that point. Uh, enough to at least put some gas in your tank to get back home. Uh, but then Saturday uh, will just be uh, standard jumpers and hybrid. So it's going to be three runs on Saturday, and then you will know by the time you leave Saturday night whether or not you're going to be running on Sunday because they're only doing challenges and finals. So my uh, my thought was how many people are going to actually hang around on Sunday because formerly you would run the hybrid on Sunday for your last chance to make it through to get either to challengers or finals at that point. And so you would hang around on Sunday. So you're already there regardless. But now with the option of, well, I didn't make anything so I could pack up and go and not to be a poor sportsman myself, but because I have to work on Monday, I'd rather just have the day back on Sunday just to drive and take my time rather than trying to rush at that point. So kind of, uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, who actually stays around and if the crowd's going to be just as big as it has been in the past. Well, the other thing that I would wonder about as, you know, is how God awful of a day is that going to be if you're trying to get your hybrid and your premier and your standard or not premier, your standard and your jumpers in on, um, one day, how, I mean, those days at nationals can get pretty long anyway, because there's, you know, good turnout. Right. Lots of people like to go, lots of people like to get qualified. And so, yeah, not only how many people are going to stick around for challengers and finals, but gosh, that's going to, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I can understand why they want to do it the way they want to do it. And, you know, but it's going to be interesting to see not only how, how good your crowd is for challengers and finals, but how ridiculously long those days are, but you know, you try it out, I guess. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, it's not like it's etched in stone. I mean, I give the AKC props for trying some new stuff and seeing is this a good idea? Is it not? You know, and right, right. see what happens. Well, I also I also think they're following the trend of the U.S. Open and Sino Sports. Uh, U.S. Open this year that was a five day event, and they were long days regardless because you know we'd start walking at seven o'clock in the morning, and then uh, we wouldn't run finals. I mean, the two nights I ran finals, I I ran because I had two dogs in each finals on both Thursday night and Saturday night, I'd run my first uh, finals run at probably like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And then I wouldn't run my big dog final until, oh, geez, I think it was almost nine thirty uh, one night. So, I mean, it, it's definitely, those are long days. And uh, the U.S. Open had, you know, one of the biggest entries that they've ever had, which was like 950 dogs this year. So even if AKC has, you know, and they've had, um, They've had normally more entries than that. So uh, just for instance, like last year, they had 1,262 dogs actually entered. And I don't know how many actually competed because we have dogs that pull after they enter. But we at least had, you know, over 1,200 dogs entered. So I can definitely see, uh, you know, it's going to be a long day regardless on Saturday. So right. it, it won't matter, you know, how they do it. Three Try to run three events in one day. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be spread out over six. Uh, it's going to be six judges uh judging so uh you'll actually so we'll see six rings six judges and we'll see how they split up so i think you'll be okay but yes it is going to be long days mm -hmm. well like i would be honest with you as a competitor i mean i'm hoping that in the future i'll have sonic qualified for nationals and she'll be able to go um sure. but it would be uh for me 
it would be hard to justify, like you say, when you need to get back and get back to work and things like that. If you don't make challenger round or finals, it would be tough to justify hanging around for that extra day when you could use that time to get on the road and get home because, you know, we all have to support our dog habits somehow. Um, <laughs> right. And, yeah, exactly. you know, and, and whereas if you're already there and you're already running, and especially when you have friends, you know, generally speaking, that you're going to have somebody, you know, or like that's going to make challengers and our finals. And if you already have to be there to compete and you're just staying a little bit longer, then it's a lot easier to stick around and, and cheer. And, and, you know, so that's going to be, that'll be an interesting thing to see, you know, but maybe people got to go, right. well, I'm going to block off that time anyway and hope I make it. And then if you don't make it, well, you've already got the time blocked off. So they'll stick around and maybe they'll enjoy having the no pressure. You know, I get to go and cheer for my friends and enjoy it. And I don't have to worry about being ready to run today. So, I mean, I could see, I could see that being an advantage as well. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. I know uh, for me this year uh, will be kind of special because it will be probably Nitro's last year, although I say that, and then he'll qualify with Breeze this year to uh, go next year, and he'll be feeling he'll be feeling his good, um, his good old self there. So um, cur uh, cur currently we're, uh, we're expecting this to be our last AKC Nationals for him, but, you know, time will tell. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's going to be Nitro and his two kids running together in Nationals, so – uh, both Kyber and his brother will be running in 24C together, so it will be. Uh, I'll be excited to see that because if he, because uh, Kyber's brother last year actually made finals and actually took fifth, just like his dad did, and that was to me that that was amazing to watch that happen. But um, if you know Kyber's brother makes it to finals and I don't, I'm still probably going to hang around. That will probably be the one thing that actually keeps me there. Going, hey, I get to still watch something I bred and I get to actually. Uh, see how they do at the end of the day. So that's uh, oh, you know, that that'll be my, uh, my take on it there. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's a special situation when you, as a breeder and a competitor, you know those dogs are they're part of your family, they're part of your heart, and you know you're just as proud of of one of the dogs you bred when they do well as you are of your own dogs. And especially, gosh, if you get you know and to have it says a lot. I mean, okay, yeah, the 24C class isn't as big maybe at nationals but it's a competitive class because generally speaking those are dogs that are going to tryouts and making world teams and things like that those are the dogs you're running against so to make finals in that group even if it's only even if the top 50 percent of the dogs are going to finals and to have have dogs you bred and dogs you own and dogs you watched from little lima beans up until full-grown dogs yeah heck yeah i'd stick around for that too so <laughs> yep yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's it'll definitely be uh, an interesting year this year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm super looking forward to it just to see how uh, how things go at uh, at nationals this year for us. Uh, so Nitro's always been a consistent dog for me. He's always uh, always managed to pull things out when I had least expected it to. And Kyber is definitely no slack, uh, no slouch over there. Uh, he's definitely uh, stepped up to the plate and taken on his daddy's role and has uh, managed to pull things out of the hat that I had no expectations for, especially like at the Open this year where he managed to pull two finals. I was just hoping for clean runs, not actually making finals and sitting on the podium for a little bit there. So, yeah, it's uh, it'll be an interesting year this year. I'll, I'll be super excited to see how things go. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, – that's nationals this year. Uh, 
this year. I looked at the top five breeds this year. This will be coming to no surprise to anybody. Uh, Border Collies, uh, they came in top for number of dogs that queued at 421. Uh, Shelties, uh, they came out at 265. Uh, your All-American Dogs, uh, 192. Uh, Golden Retrievers, I was surprised, was as low as it was, was 183. Um, and then following up was the Australian Shepherd. So I kind of su- was surprised about the Golden Retrievers. As many Goldens as we see out there, I really was kind of surprised it was such a low number for uh, for that breed. Yeah, because you certainly seem to see a lot of them weekend to weekend um, running, and they're just, yeah. you know, they're known for being a nice, honest, do-whatever-you-want kind of dog. But I think that All-American speaks a lot to not only the intentional sport mixes, but hopefully the fact that you see more people getting into dog sports and staying in dog sports with dogs they got, not even maybe knowing dog sports for a thing. And, you know, and then they get hooked on agility like the rest of us do. and. Now you have all Americans being the what, number three breed you said at the nationals. That's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's uh, and that you know that covers a wide variety of heights too. But no, I'm always been glad that AKC did uh, let the uh, let the all Americans come in with that registration. Um, it, it's been a great uh, a great positive impact for AKC to allow more and more people to you know get dogs out of the shelters and to help you know help bring them out, let them experience something new and build a great bond. Cause a lot of dogs that would have been passed up, you know, they, they got a chance to go out there and do something. There have been some great all American dogs who have done some phenomenal things. Um, even at the, on the world stage out there for the European open. It's been, it's been amazing yeah. to see some of those dogs out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it gives, like you say, you get these dogs that whether they're, were bred on purpose to be a mix or whether they were a dog that, you know, ends up in a rescue or a shelter somewhere that needs a special kind of home with someone that's going to do something with them. You know, the nice thing is, is they have an outlet in the performance venues of AKC to, to, to do something and have goals to work for. And I think most of us are better trainers, better, better with our dogs when we have goals that help keep us focused and keep us going. And I think it makes our dogs better. So that's that's really great. Yeah, no, and obviously absolutely. it's working for AKC. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah and that's, absolutely that's awesome. there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely there. Well, uh, I think that about wraps it up for us tonight. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Here uh, we are on Facebook there. So if you want to look us up at uh, Four Paws Sports, uh, that's where our page is at. There, we'll eventually have a website, and we'll uh, be adding more and more content there. Uh, but for tonight, I think that about does it for us. Mary, do you want to say anything to finish it up for the night? Well, I say, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook page. If there's topics you'd like us to cover, if there's questions you have, if you want to know more about Jeff or I or our dogs, we always love talking about our dogs. Um, you know, just reach out to us there. We have ideas in the works for future podcasts, but we also want to hear from you. What do you want to hear? What do you want to know? Because this should be all encompassing for all kinds of different sports. So we really want to make something that, that you all can enjoy. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you on our next episode. Have a great night. Good night, everybody.
guys, Jeff here. If you like this podcast, remember to pet that follow button so you can stay up to date with the latest content and episodes. And check us out on Facebook at Four Paws Sports. Until next time, have a great barking day.